Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast. Jeff Newbarth here once again in the home studio and happy to be joined by Will Gordon, who, who I'm, I'm feel like I'm being shown up here. You have like this beautiful view. You look like, you know, can you want to give us the, the latest headlines? Are you ready to do the Yeah, one? I mean, just another day in quarantine here. So we're yeah. hanging out. Absolutely. You're in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City, um, where rules are a little different there than some of the other places. As of now, we're recording this on the 9th of April, uh, which unfortunately would have been the first day of the Masters. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in a, a little bit, and that'll be in November. But as of now, you just told me you, can, you can't practice, but you can actually get on the golf course and play. Are you able to get out there and keep your game sharp right now? Yeah, I mean, we're able to play a lot. So everywhere is basically carts. Everybody's in their individual carts, and there's foam in the holes so the ball doesn't go all the way to the bottom. But we're able to play uh, a decent amount. So I'm playing probably three or four times a week, um, but no practice. So it's a little bit of a uphill battle to keep your – keep your uh, mind sharp and keep locked in, but it's at least something to do. Um, I'm fascinated. I say this every time we have a tour pro on one of these podcasts, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please do the Callaway golf podcast on uh, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, rate and review it too. We're, you know, maybe we can get a positive review from somebody every now and then, but I'm fascinated by schedules of tour pros. And I think the most interesting players to have the schedule was like look when you're in the top 50 in the world and you're in all the wgc's and the majors it's pretty easy you play wherever you want to play right but for an up-and-coming young player like yourself um this has got to be like like you know you take any opportunity you can get so can you kind of talk me through let's go back a little bit towards the uh, after you turn pro after leaving Vanderbilt. Right. what were sort of your goals and then obviously you had that moment where you got into RSM and, and, and top 10, which sort of changed things a little bit. Kind of talk me through the the early schedule planning. Yeah, I think kind of the planning started when you're leading, kind of getting closer to graduating at college. And I went to Canada Q school and was able to get status out there and have guaranteed starts through the whole season. And that's kind of where I went after graduation, played a full schedule, almost a full schedule up in Canada, came back and played the Barracuda in the, uh, corn Ferry event in Utah but I just kind of used Canada as a growing process and knew that I was going to go up there for a summer and try to become a professional and not somebody who plays a golf tournament twice a month kind of like you were in college and um, it helped me learn a lot and then after after Canada you kind of learned you know that Sponsor invites are hard to get and the opportunities are few and far between. But when we got them, I, want, I knew that I wanted to take advantage of them because that was a really quick way I could get to playing with status in the United States. So, um, yeah, I played I played Sanderson Farms, Mayakoba and um, RSM in the fall and was able to create some momentum at Mayakoba and RSM. The scheduling part, there's just a lot of uncertainty. So that was the hardest part was being able to you know, maybe get a call on a Saturday night, like, hey, you're playing a golf tournament next week in Sea Island or somewhere like that. And when college, you know, four or five months out, I'm preparing for this golf tournament. This is how I'm going to get ready. And that's that was the biggest learning curve for me was just trying to figure out how to get yourself ready in a really short period of time. All right. So I want to talk about uh, the, the RSM a little bit. Um, so I'm all here in this secondhand because obviously I wasn't there watching you guys, but I heard uh, that there was a moment where you kind of got a welcome to the PGA tour rookie moment where you hit a, uh, 
uh, a drive and basically, I don't know if one of your playing partners told you to go ahead for it, but you basically drove the green and uh, the, the guys on the green weren't too happy with you. Tell me that story. Yeah, that was, that, that was at the Barracuda. Um, oh, Barracuda. Okay. That was at the Barracuda. My, it was my first PJ tour event. It was my, it was my second round. And um, yeah, I, I just asked my playing partners, you know, I'm just, Hey, can I go? And they were like, yeah, go ahead. And I hit it and they immediately said, Oh, I hope that gets down. And, um, <laughs> I walked, I walked up there and, you know, the guys in front of me, you know, it was my fault. I, I shouldn't have hit, but they weren't too happy with me. And I, one of them gave me a pretty good, uh, pretty good talking to, but you know, he, we, we talked after and settled things. So it was, uh, just fine. It was just a learning experience for me. And, um, I guess a funny story now. What did, uh, what would you make on the hole? I made a birdie. I, I yeah. made a birdie. See, I was able to get up and down right after. So I was like, yeah. Patty was like, wow, that was pretty impressive. You ever sell yourself? I was like, I was just trying not to get kicked off in my first event. So <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a funny story, but yeah, it's uh it's all good now. And we're just continuing to learn. So now are you like a little more careful on these drivable par fours? You're like, eh, I'm going to wait an extra minute or so. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think a couple of times guys are like, I think you can hit. I'm like, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to, <laughs> I was yeah. like, you can go, you can go, but I'm not going to, I'm going to wait. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's, you know, it's funny because I think part of um, what makes golf so unique is that there's those little stories like that, these little moments. And obviously there's so many players playing at one time, um, but the ability to be able to kind of overcome that, like you said, get up and down for birdie, that kind of shows the, the, the mental fortitude. Where do you sort of, focus right now because you know transitioning into the present even though you can play a couple times a week it's not the same as as playing on in, in any tour event how do you simulate pressure and how do you get yourself you know sort of sharp because at some point it's going to be everyone's going to get a notice hey we're playing and and right and whoever's ready is ready whoever's not it's not correct and i think that's kind of i think i've been living kind of a little microcosm of that even before this covid19 started um you know I didn't really know when I was going to be able to play. And then somebody would be like, Hey, you, you got to tee it up next week and I would have to be ready. And so I've kind of ha been having to keep my tools sharp no matter what, what's going on. But especially with this COVID-19 thing, you don't really know what's, when it's going to go back, where I'm going to be, um, what my situation is going to be when I'm going to go back. So I just have to keep ready. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys in Charlotte that are kind of in the same position. Um, so we're just practicing social distancing, but also playing golf. Um, you know, making sure we're handling it the right way, but we're playing little tournaments around Charlotte to try to keep ourselves sharp and um, be ready when that call comes. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Cause you know, again, the hardest thing is going to be figuring out the, the, the adjusting schedules. No one knows what's going on. Um, Monday qualifying. Right. To me, that's also one of the most interesting things that people don't really pay attention to. Uh, there is a great Twitter account. I'm blanking out on it right now that kind of updates it every week. Right. But, What's it like going through, you know, that Monday qualifying? Much was made, you know, four or five years ago when Patrick Reed, he was almost called Mr. Monday back in 2012, 2013. Right. He did it a bunch and then he ended up winning uh, Wyndham. W what's it like going through those situations where you know, like, oh, I could shoot 67 and that may not even get me in, in an event because there's three spots? Yeah, I think, like, going through a couple of them, like, when you hear that story about Patrick Reed, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've played, I think, three or four, of, maybe three of them now. Um, I haven't played a ton of them, but yeah, it's a different mentality. You just got to go in and your game plan shifts a little bit because maybe on a, on a hole where you would, wouldn't normally hit driver, uh, you go ahead and hit driver because you only got to pull it off once. And that may be the difference between you getting a spot in the field that week versus not. Um, so it's been a, that the 
three Monday qualifiers I did were definitely a, a learning experience. And I, I was in position to get into two of them, got through one of them. Um, you just have to get off to a really good start. And that's the mentality you have to have. If I'm going to give myself a chance today, I got to, you know, I got to be five under four or five under on the first nine holes. And that's, uh, that's kind of what you got to do. And it, it is a little bit freeing to know that you have to do that. You know, um, there's no like, well, if I get off to a slow start, maybe I can rebound. Well, that's not going to work. He'll just be going home. So um, it's definitely a challenge, but I think it's a, everything can kind of be a positive learning experience. If you, uh, yeah, but you, you can, you can, way. you can bet off some of that success in Canada. Cause what'd you go? 61, 60 in a, in a couple of events and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you, you went pretty low, so you're one of those guys. It's not like you're, you're one of these players whose you know, goal is to go around the place and shoot even par. I mean, you, you exactly. have that in you, right? That's got to give you some confidence in those. Oh, for sure. And I think that, I think that I've learned a little bit. If you kind of have the – if you can learn how to have that more mentality off, more often in tournaments, just, hey, I got to go play really well today. Um, I think that allows yourself to show yourself that you can perform under pressure. And when there's expectations, you can rise to them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let's go back a little bit to Vanderbilt. Um, I, I was lucky enough to do a ton of SEC hoops games there, uh, you know, awesome. back, uh, back before you were there, but uh, Memorial gym, it's, it's one of my favorite places to cover basketball. I always love that the announcers are like literally down here looking at players <laughs> ankles and stuff. Um, yeah. What was it like being a fan, uh, being able to get in there and, and, and watch some of these, these great teams come through and uh, be a part of it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, being in the Vanderbilt athletic community was a huge, it's not a big place. Um, and Vanderbilt athletics isn't, um, it isn't a massive group of people. And we had a really tight knit community while I was there. So I got really close with, uh, not so much basketball guys, but really close with the baseball guys and, um, you know, seeing their success, you know, they won a national championship last year and, um, they've been great for years. So I think having that camaraderie and sense of community that everybody's kind of pushing toward the same goals was a really a cool community to be a part of. And like you said, Memorial gym was really, really fun. I remember a couple of Tennessee games we went to overtime and mm -hmm. experiences like that. You remember? See, I don't like the baseball team. And the reason I don't like the baseball team is where, where the TV trucks were when we would do games at Memorial gym, we were just over the outfield fence and I right. swear they would have batting practice and they didn't care what they did other than hitting balls at no. us. And they put yeah. nets up and nets up. And we literally yeah. would just sit inside the truck and have like a half hour. It would sound like a hailstorm. We'd be getting pounded on. Yeah. So our dining hall was right across the street over first base. So right. during games and batting practice, if you left your car in the, yeah. I had several, I had several friends who got their windshield smashed from baseball. Um, or you'd be walking out of the dining hall and a baseball would land in the parking lot. Stuff like that, yeah. It's a baseball is really a cornerstone of Vanderbilt, so it was really cool. Totally. to watch that. I'm a huge baseball fan, season ticket holder. I can talk baseball all day. My favorite story, the last one I'll leave you with, with Vanderbilt basketball was Paul Hewitt, uh, who at the time was coaching Georgia Tech, and obviously that was an ACC SEC kind of a non-conference matchup. So they were staying at that Marriott, which anyone right. who knows it's connected to the gym. You literally walk downstairs, yeah. walk out the back of the Marriott, you go ten feet, and you're in the gym. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the Georgia Tech athletic team. Uh, didn't know this. So there was a bus out front. So I'm watching it and coach gets on the bus. They all get on the bus. So it was like me and a couple of people on the TV crew. So we walk next to the bus and the bus goes about eight feet, stops and opens the door. And coach just walks out shaking his head. He was pissed <laughs> off. They just went in there. Just such a waste That's of time funny. loading the bus and everything. I mean, literally yeah. it's, it's, it's like connected to it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They got, so the baseball field, this football stadium, the stands yeah. over 
they come over the baseball field and the basketball uh, gym is right there. It's really, it's really good for students to watch because you can just, I mean, it's a short walk to everywhere. Yeah. And such a great, such a great campus, such a great city being in Nashville, um, you know, nothing against any of the other campuses, but uh, man, certainly a great experience. What was golf like there? Because uh, you know, they, they've had such a, uh, uh, a great history. I wouldn't include Mark Loomis in that history only because he's a good <laughs> friend of mine and I would never want to give him that credit. But I do have a great photo of Mark playing college golf there, which looks like it's in the 60s, but I don't think he's quite We got to see it. Mark's great. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure I send it to you. Um, yeah. And that way you can post it and that way he won't get mad at me. <laughs> but, but, but talk about, you know, there's been some great golfers that have come out of Vanderbilt and certainly you guys get to play some great golf courses. Uh, what, what's that like? Vanderbilt, I mean, that obviously being a golfer, that was the main reason I, I chose Vanderbilt. And it was such a great culture. I always tell people that is what I'm, I, I didn't, I walked into and I didn't realize how fortunate I was to be in that culture. We had so many good players, Matthias Schwab, John Augenstein, Patrick Martin, Theo Humphrey, just when I was there. And then having guys mm-hmm. like Brett Snedeker hanging around. Um, yeah. I mean, you just learn so much so quickly and you don't realize how much better you're getting on a daily basis being surrounded by people who are really, really good at what they do. And Coach Limbaugh was an awesome motivator. He did an unbelievable job challenging you as a person and as a golfer. And those people are the people I always think about as making me uh, a little bit closer to reaching my potential. And go-to uh, meal that you would have if you were going off campus at, uh, at Vanderbilt? Where, 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 was yeah. your, where was your spot in Nashville? Um, our unhealth, I'll give you our, our unhealth, our unhealthy spot. That one I don't mm-hmm. want to admit was McDougal's. We always went there, um, just fried <laughs> chicken and French fries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, there's so much good food in Nashville. I, it'd be hard to pick one. We, that's one thing I really do miss about it. It was every night you could go somewhere different and try somewhere new. I'm trying to think we used to go to the, was it the pancake pantry? Is that the, yeah, the, the pancake yeah, we pantry used to- was right down the road. I could walk to it. Uh, yeah, from my, my apartment. It was awesome. Yeah, we used to wait about an hour to get breakfast before games have our breakfast meetings there. And then uh, San Antonio Taco. That was always our uh, yeah uh, a good spot for us. The Pancake Pantry with the football players were always like, yeah, if you go in the back door and you just tell them you're with Vanderbilt Athletics, they usually can seat you right away. I was like, I don't know if they're going to work work that out for the golf <laughs> team, but it might work for you guys. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, really. You, you got to try. You know, we, next time I go to Nashville, I'm going to just walk in there and try it. I'm like, yeah, Vanderbilt Golf. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. We never tried it, but I, I have a feeling you might get turned away. Yeah, well, I, I don't mind. It's certainly worth worth the wait. <laughs> um, so, so transitioning to sort of now, and what has been the biggest kind of adjustment for you on the golf course? Uh, you know, I know the scheduling and all the other off the course stuff where you don't have a coach saying, "Hey, we're playing here, get in the van, we're driving here," so you're yeah. kind of on your own. But on the golf course, when you're competing against the best players in the world, what what are those adjustments been like, and what have been the most challenges? I think the biggest challenge is being comfortable. Um, you know, you're not out there on a consistent basis for me right now. And when I, I was able to play with Webb Simpson, who I've been able to play with a lot in Charlotte now, um, he's been a big mentor for me and helped me out a lot. But I was able to play with him the third round of the RSM. And he was just so, so consistent in the way he did things. And for a guy like me, it's a little bit, um, you're in a little bit of, of awe about how, how methodical he is. And um, you can just tell he's been doing it out there for, you know, 20 years, 15 years, whatever, however long he'd been out there. Um, But that's been the biggest adjustment is just getting comfortable and knowing that you're able to compete and you're good enough and believing in yourself. 
So does playing with someone like Webb, is it easier playing with someone you know like that? Or, you know, or does that kind of make it where like you feel like, oh, I got to show this guy that I belong out here too? Or is it simpler to play with someone you've never met before and just like, whatever, I'm doing my own thing? Yeah, I think I'm somebody who likes to get out there and enjoy the people I'm with. And like a guy like another Callaway guy, Chase Seifert, I was able to mm-hmm. play with him two or three times and he's just been super nice to me. And um, we had a great time and Puerto Rico playing together a couple rounds. And I think that definitely helps when you're with somebody who is, you know, has become a friend and is making the walk enjoyable. You relax and you're able to play better. Um, But definitely there's moments where you're like, I think the RSM was one where I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. I've been able to uh, get here pretty quickly and been able to tee up against the top 10 player in the world and see where I stand. Yeah, I was at Sea Island uh, actually right before the the sort of the quarantine sort of started. We were at the players doing a bunch of content. You can check all that content out at CallawayGolf.com and our social channels at Callaway Golf. And uh, we went up to Sea Island to do some putting content, which should be out by now, uh, with David Angelotti, who who runs the uh, Sea Island putting area right there. A beautiful, beautiful spot. And look, when this is all over, if you want to work on your putting, he's someone great to to work on. I work with David, actually. Oh, well, that's even better. Yeah. So I can send you yeah. all the tips he gave us and uh, you can see how we did. But one thing I noticed is just what an awesome area to play and practice in. And for a tour event, it, it may not be the most well-attended one just because it's kind of secluded and a little hard to get to. Right. But those are really tough golf courses. And when the wind gets blowing there, that, that can't be an easy place to to play. What what's what was it like down there in those tournament conditions? Yeah, I mean, so we played SECs there every year in college. Oh, and right, then, right, right. And then I played uh, I played the Junior Jones Cup in high school a couple of years. So I played those golf courses a lot, and I think that was a big, a big attribute that made it comfortable for me down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the wind started blowing that last day, it was the same wind direction I played, you know, ten times in SEC championship at twenty miles an hour. I was like, I know exactly what to do, and I was pretty excited about the opportunity the final round. Um, so I think Sea Island is definitely one of those hidden gym places. I go down there usually um, once a month to work with Justin Parsons and David Angelotti, and it's a it's a great place to get better. There's a lot of guys down there who are uh, on tour, have been there, done it, had success, and it's a really good place to get better and really really good golf courses. Yeah, odysseygolf.com will have all of David's. Uh, we shot, I think, eight different uh, tips with him for an alignment to speed control. We did them all indoors in that that beautiful putting studio right. that they have, uh, which is really, really great. But, man, he's what's the biggest thing he's helped you with? Yeah, the biggest thing he's helped me with is uh, green reading. They're, they uh, We went in there, I think, the first time, and we were able to see that my putting stroke was really repeatable. It wasn't technically, quote-unquote, perfect, but I was really effective at what I do. And um, he was able to just to free me up a little bit and give me kind of a method. I've never been an aim point guy. I've never been somebody who wanted to do that or necessarily was attracted to that idea, but he gave me kind of a way to start reading greens where I, it's a little bit less emotional. So, you know, if I underread one, I don't overread the next one. It's just, I go back mm-hmm. to kind of my system of green reading and okay, that's and the biggest thing you. he's helped me with. I'm going to ask you that offline. We have a guy in the office, Yodi Nevs, who sits there like when you play golf with him and he walks around and he's going like this and he's looking like this. Yeah. And I literally, and then he misses the putt. Um, it's just <laughs> like, like there's nothing yeah. worse than aim pointing and then missing the putt. Um, oh yeah. I could just never get myself to do this, but that works for a lot of guys. So yeah. I mean, Adam Scott certainly made a, made a Absolutely. career off of that and, and plenty of people and, and Hey, whatever yeah. you got to do. Uh, exactly. to kind of get it. How much, how much time do you practice on your short game compared to your long game? I think 
I think that's something I've been learning because I think an easy way to say it is, you know, hey, person X spends 70% of the time on a short game. And I don't think it's that simple. I think kind of, you know, if you go to a golf course where you know you're going to have to work on your short-sided chips, like that's how you prepare. Um, if you go to a golf course where there's really flat greens, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a golf course you may want to spend a lot of time practicing your putting preparing for. Um, so I think it's been the biggest part of my game I've had to develop, but I think my preparation week to week depends on where I'm going. All right. A couple more things I want to uh, talk about with you. We're with Will Gordon, Will Gordon here on the Easy For Me To Say on the Callaway Golf Podcast. Uh, we're taping this one on Thursday, April the 9th. Um, let's talk about your golf bag. And instead yeah. of just saying like, what's in the bag, let's, let's kind of go through it if you don't mind and kind of tell me why it's in the bag and how it got in the bag or if there's any interesting stories about it. I won't do that with mine. I just have it here as a prop for branding and yeah. no one cares what I play, but um, what, 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 let's go through it. Let's start with, with your driver, work through the fairways, get to the irons, wedges and the, and the putter. Yeah, I got the, uh, the Maverick driver in the bag and it's been awesome. It's been really the best driver I've played. I, I, I was somewhat worried about the driver when I was switching to Callaway. And um, I can honestly say that like, it's the best driver I've played. It's, I can go at it full full throttle, and I'm not worried about the misses. It's been which really, which, really which good. version? You know, the, the the one thing is the, the 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 secret that not everyone knows, but they they probably figured out. But now the tour guys, uh, you guys have a little bit different models than than potentially what what I get to play. Yeah. What what model of the driver are you playing? You're putting me on the standard, spot but a standard sub zero or the max. Oh, it's a sub zero. It's a sub zero. Okay. I believe. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go into. Right, no, it's the max. It's the max. Max. Okay. Oh, we played the same driver. Look at yeah. us. Look the difference that. is just how we hit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's really good. It's really forgiving. The head, the head shape is really, really looks good to my eye. It doesn't. It's it's really the best driver I've had, and people who have, you know, seen me switch have been like, wow, this, it's made a huge difference. So I'm I've been really excited about it. And three, when I play, play the Maverick as well, just a reg, the the standard Maverick head. And it's uh, and, and, I I use. Go ahead. Yeah. And talk about the ball speed, though, differences, because that's that's sort of uh, the the trademark of these Maverick drivers is everyone who who gets into the whether it's a sim at, or you know a hitting bag range, the ball speed is just jumping off of it. What what did you see when you switched to this driver in terms of ball speed? Yeah, I think what I've seen in the ball speed, I, I kind of have three swings in my driver, like a standard one, a little fairway finder, and then like a max out driver. And um, the biggest thing I've seen is with that max out driver, my ball speed gets up there and I don't have to worry about the ball curving a whole lot with this Maverick. Um, mm -hmm. it's been a really big bonus for maybe being able to use that, that max out swing on more holes. And what's your, when you go to your max out swing, what, what distance are we looking at? So I can warn the people on the par four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ball speed, the ball speed gets up there probably, um, high 180s and i've gotten it up to 191 or two a couple times um, so it's a three 300 plus carry oh yeah yeah i think it yeah. i mean uh, on that swing it's usually like a 325 carry all right so if you could turn and hit it out the window there those buildings across the street would be <laughs> yeah they might be in trouble i haven't tried that yet they think they might kick me out if i do they well you can do it once you can definitely yeah do it i can once. do it once and then just blame it on the neighbor or something 
Yeah, and then, well, yeah, because they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy hit it 325 yards. <laughs> Come on, they're all going to know it's you. Um, and then fairways, what, what fairway woods do you use? Because if you carry a driver so far, I'm assuming your fairway woods transitioning into the long irons, it's all about gapping, not about the distance. Yeah, and I think that's something we recently did right before Torrey Pines this year. Um, I was out at Callaway, and the three wood I had been playing was just really hot. And we we upped the loft a little bit and changed the shaft, and now I'm able to carry my three wood about – you know, 270 um, and 275. And it was, it's more of a, when, if I hit it on a second shot of a par five, the ball stops in the green and instead of just barreling over stuff like that. So it's been a, the three wood. I don't use a ton off the tee. I just right. use my three wood a lot off on second shots on long par fives. I use it sometimes on par, par fours, but not, uh, not a ton. And what about when, then when do you transition from the three wood working into So I go irons? three wood to three iron. Um, and the three irons is one I use off the tee a ton. So mm-hmm. I love that club to be a little bit lower. It's a little bit strong. It's not a, not a flat three iron. It's a little bit strong, but um, I use that off the tee a ton. Just to get the ball low and running. It's been a really dependable club. It's Apex Pro. Um, been really good. So I use Apex Pro three, three iron through pitching wedge. And they've been really, really good. The ball fights neutral I, I i don't have to worry about the, it's spin, spinning previously i had a lot of problems on choking down on shots if i'm trying to keep it under the wind i had the ball problems with the ball riding up and yeah just um, getting stuck in the wind um but these irons have been awesome it's been uh it's been really easy for me to keep the ball flat and spinning well it's interesting because so many um players who we've seen who maybe were blade players then they make a at least in the longer irons in their bag when they switch to that apex pro because you still have that short profile it's not like it's a big you know clunky looking club correct uh, but but that little bit of extra forgiveness and what you just talked about the the lack of it just ballooning up in the air for, for the better player has been really good what about coming out of the rough because that's where i think those clubs also excel not that you want to be in the rough but yeah. occasionally it happens where, where you you hit one a little and, and you run through the fairway. Um, how's the performance out of sort of the turf interaction of those tougher lives been? It's been really good. I, I think the club works through the ground really well. Um, like I said, I, I haven't, I was honestly shocked at how easy the transition was. Um, I went out there and um, Dean, Jacob, Mata, they all had me dialed in immediately and we didn't have to do a whole lot of work, honestly, to get it, to get it right. And out of the, out of the rough, it's been, really good they don't they don't jump up they don't jump out of the rough as much as my old irons um the and i think that's kind of been paired with me getting a little bit more aware of what i'm doing um and yeah that the control has just been i i don't have to i don't have to finesse shots or try so hard to get control of the ball with these irons and that's been when you're able to do that you're able to build on momentum and just continue to be free out there and that's the consistency tour pros want, right? Between the golf ball and your irons, you just you don't you just want to go the same every single time, and you want to be Correct. able to know, if, oh, if I need to take a little bit off it to do a little bit, or need to step on it to go a little bit, you just don't want to have to guess, right? It's all about the consistency. Correct. Yeah, and like when when you see you know twelve seven irons or twelve five irons on par threes in the wind, not balloon, you don't even have to think about that as part of your decision making. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a big bonus for me, is because I used to have to be like, oh. Well, if I choke the five and it doesn't ride the wind at all, I'm over the green. But if I try to hit a firmer six, it might balloon up in the sky and might be, might be way short. So it's a really tight window to try to pick the right club. And with that, taking out that spinner shot with these irons has been, been a big bonus. 
are you someone who looks at the stats, whether it's shot link, because it does trace every shot for you to be able to see like, hey, my six iron dispersion is not where I need it to be or, or you know, no certain days. Or are you someone who's more just a feel player in, 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 in that way? I think I try to separate the two. I, I try to look at the stats when I'm at home practicing as much as I can because I think they don't lie. And I don't think they're going to – your emotions aren't going to lie to you. And they tell you, hey, your wedges just got to get better. From this mm-hmm. distance to this distance, you have to get better. There's no other way around it. So I think they're very a tangible asset to have in, in that, that way. Um, I, during the tournament, I don't, I, I'm much more of a field player because I just like to rely on my athleticism and rely on kind of my intuition. Yeah, and let's go through the end of the bag, the wedges. Which uh, wedges do you have in there? I, I put mine back in the other day. I had to throw mine out last week because I was told that you're supposed to be changing your wedges a couple times a year, and I haven't done that yet. So, yeah. So I, I did a very dramatic it's throw big, towards the door, but I was worried about hitting the cat. But he luckily it's wasn't big, there. It's a big thing. you got to change your wedges. Um, often, often the, yeah, you, so you're in the jaws. Yeah, I'm in the jaws wedges. Um, they're really good. Uh, I, I got this, the 60-degree – the biggest thing I see is when I when I lay that thing open, I don't want to see the sole of the club kind of in the middle of the ball because I just think that makes you think you're going to blade it. And the 60 degree has been awesome. My chipping has gotten a lot better with it. And then putter? Putter, I use the Toulon San Diego Lab with the Stroke Lab shaft. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, been really good. We had, to, we had to work hard on that one with Joe and Mike. So we had to work really hard on that. And we finally got the weighting right on it. And it's been it's been awesome. It's been really good. Yeah, they, the the Stroke Lab shaft has been amazing. And Joe Toulon, by the way, if you're not following Joe Toulon on Instagram, you're you're just completely missing out. He is. Yeah. Um, he's literally not sleeping because he's a newborn, and he's just doing like really cool things with putters at home because he has the time. So exactly, uh, he's an awesome. Instagram account. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Joe. I'm trying to tell him to grow a quarantine beard because I think that would be even cooler for this this image that he's trying to do with these new putters. But he had a he had a couple like like a mini Madison one the other day. Um, and he had some that were like blue in color and stuff that just, he's just having some fun. Yeah. He's a, he's been, he's been so helpful. I just remember like in Hawaii, for example, he, we, I was just really trying to get that putter nailed and he's, he's so knowledgeable about how, where to take the weight out from where to put it in and what I'm, what mm-hmm. the player is feeling. And I think he does a really good job of keeping him his, the idea of the putter in, in line with what the player wants. Yeah, and how important is, is that for you? Uh, and then we'll move off of, of your bag in terms of knowing the confidence that the guys you're working with, you mentioned Jacob, you mentioned Dean, you mentioned Mata, you know, Joey T, that you have this team that can support you because that's got to be a little bit of a challenge when you're one of the newer players to tour and you don't know when you're going to be yeah. in and out. And, and to have this team that, that can dial you in whenever the opportunity is, that's got to be a, a reassuring feeling. Oh, it's, I think it's been one of the bigger things in the, one of the bigger factors in the decision I made to join the Callaway family was guys like Johnny Thompson, everybody, Tim Reed, they're, they're, they've just made it so easy for me. And anything I ever have wanted, needed, asked for, they, they get it done. And it's made the transition really easy for me and made my belief go up in what I have in the bag. Nice. And then, you know, they say you can't play good unless you look good. Uh, right. and, and, and I know you're just wearing the Travis t-shirt today. I got dressed up for you and threw on a Travis. There color. we go. Um, Love it. but, but talk to me about some of the, 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 the Travis stuff. I mean, the stuff's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. And they, they're, it's, it's been awesome. I I've always loved Travis Matthew. Um, it's been, it's got always had that cool vibe of, you know, not, the tra- not walking the traditional line of golf 
uh, golf wear, which is something I've always been attracted to. And they do a really good job like that, like kind of the Callaway head cover I see in the background there. It's got the palm print yeah. on it. They, br- they bring a yeah. lot of the, uh, it, Travis does a lot of that vibe and it's been, it's been fun to be a part of it and see where, see where they're going. And the product just keeps getting better, especially with the, the Quater stuff rolling out, like the, the oh, shoes man. and the belts, the shoes are awesome. Best golf shoes I've ever worn. Um, Wait, which ones are you wearing? Are you wearing the legends? You wearing the money makers? You wearing the ringers? I'm wearing them all. I'm wearing them all. Uh-huh. I just, I got them. I got a, I got it in a little rotation. If I go out and walk, I wear the money makers. Um, uh-huh. I think the ringers are kind of what's worked in tournaments more often. Cause they do that. It's done a really good job of, crossing that line between um yeah. comfortable and classy and then the the legends are really really good looking so okay, no, um no, yeah. note to self text kc to get a pair of ringers i don't have those yet the legend it was crazy that we we got the legends for the first time in the fall we do an event or sorry in the winter we do an event in the desert out here called the granddaddy um right. which uh just have to say for the record i've never lost my played in it um count we it. play against we play against some internet golfers uh with the hackers paradise super great guys and it it poured for the second year in a row in palm springs like second year like it never rains there and it, it just absolutely poured and i had brand new um legends on and finley who was playing with me my partner was wearing the money makers and we both had dry uh, dry feet at the end of the day which is yeah. just super super impressive because you know you never know when you get a new pair of golf shoes you know how it's going to handle i mean it was it was teeming down rain the entire day yeah and they've done a like and they're so comfortable too like the even mm-hmm. across the board they're all just so comfortable and i've never had any problems with them, a blister or anything like that. So it's yeah. been, I feel like they awesome. should be paying us for this endorsement. Cause I feel like we're doing a pretty good job I know. Of telling everybody. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll get on them on that, but go to, go, yeah. go to quater.com, go to travismatthew.com. Check it out. All right. Well, last thing I'm going to run through with you. And that's why I'm looking over to the right. Some kind of rapid fire kind of uh, quick questions. I don't know if you saw, we put a piece of content out uh, where we had a bunch of tour pros. We had Leishman, we had Hadwin, we had Sebastian yeah. Kaplan, we had Henrik, poor Henrik. Henrik, Henrik at the end of it, when he's singing with or without you, and then he looks at me and goes, I can certainly do without you. I think he really meant that, but, uh, you know, or maybe he just likes me and just likes to, to, to knock me down to make me feel better. So I got some quick, quick kind of first questions for you, kind of in a rapid fire thing. Uh, so what was your first car? A Nissan Titan. First celebrity crush. Jennifer Aniston, but that's so basic. That is so basic. That's what Adam Hadwin said too. It is. Nothing wrong with that. True. Yeah. First, first job. First what? First job. First job. My parents are going to hate me. I've, I've never really had a job. Just played Professional golf. golfer. Professional golfer. Yeah, professional golfer. Count it. It's a great first job. First birdie. Yeah, first birdie. I don't know. It's probably pretty young. I don't know. It was, I, I, that's a tough one to answer. First Halloween costume. I actually think my, my first Halloween costume I remember was is it was a pretty unique comment. I wore a Jeremy Shockey jersey, but oh. I was I had a zombie like face like face paint on. I don't know what the combination was, but okay. my parents let me roll with it. I don't I don't know what I was thinking, but that was the combo right there. I like it. Jeremy Shockey pulling that one out. Tight end from University of Miami, played for the Giants, so he played yeah. Panthers down there. Played for the Panthers for one year. One yeah. year. Yeah, I know a Jeremy Shockey trivia. Not gonna be able to fool me on that <laughs> one. All right, first time you beat your dad in golf. Um, my dad was actually talk. We were talking about this like yesterday. I think it was. I was probably like eight. He's yeah. He's he's not very good, but well, still, we can edit that one out. It was probably eight. that's okay. 
I'm sure your dad was a great player. You just happened to play really, really well that day. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we'll, happened. We'll clean it up that way. First win at any level, junior golf or whatever. Yeah, my first win was, I think I was five. I was like playing in some U.S. kids state thing. And I think mm -hmm. I shot 37, 38 or something like that. At five? Yeah, at five or six, yeah. But then I didn't really play much from I, – I played – didn't play much from like seven to ten probably. I was – Chasing the NBA dream, you know? Nice. How'd that work out? Not well. Yeah, you and me both. Athleticism both. limited on, yeah, on, you the, know, on it, the hard court. It, it always seems to get in, get in the way. <laughs> it's one of those things you absolutely need, you know? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, thought playing, I thought playing in middle school at Southwood Middle School in Miami was going like, to lead me to greater things, and it didn't. All right, yeah. uh, first concert you attended? First concert I attended was, um, I think it was a – brad paisley concert in in high school um yeah i think that was i think that's right, right. no or cd no no i think actually we went to an american idol concert when i was in middle school nice yeah carrie underwood and Bo Bo something i don't remember oh right i remember that guy i remember the, guy that with the guy. hair yeah yeah really yeah. long hair that's wonder what he's doing right now first cd first cd was uh my one of my host brothers gave me a Kanye West graduation CD when nice. I was like, I think I was ten. My parents didn't let me listen to it for a couple of years. That's but, all right. Yeah, we still have it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last set of questions. This or that? Would you rather bomb a drive or jar jar a chip? Bomb a drive every time. Too hot or too cold? Too hot. Early bird or night owl? Um, early bird. Prepping for a big round, you go in with silence or pump up music? Silence. Pizza or taco? Pizza, for sure. Call or text? Call. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Pandas or whales? Uh, whales. Okay. Swim through 100 yards of poisonous snakes or 100 yards of sharks? <laughs> I'm scared of both really bad. But sharks. Yeah. See, Henrik made the great point, even though he said it wrong, is he said, you've never heard of a poisonous snake. And I'm like, well, yes, I have. There are poisonous snakes. He's like, I meant to say a poisonous shark. Yeah. And he's true. There are I no mean, poisonous sharks. No, there's no poisonous sharks. You just might. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, the ocean is one of my fears. So. Really? But I'm, all right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm the, the snakes, is, I'm not about snakes at all. No, you and me both. TV or movies? Um, TV. Burger or hot dog? Burger. All right. That's kind of all the quick questions I had for you. I feel like we learned a lot there about you, especially yeah, about this, you. The, the, the fear of the water. The fear of the water. It's real. Yeah, you're okay with hitting drives not into the group ahead of you anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. That's and, for sure. Uh, and look, you know, I, I will be honest. When, when Tim Reed last year uh, told me, he gave me every now and then, and Tim will give me a sneak peek of what we're going to be doing. And he's like, hey, we're going to sign Will Gordon. And as much as I like to make fun of Loomis, Loomis did tell me like months and months and months ago, he's like, hey, you guys got to get this guy. This guy is for real. He's going to get on the PGA Tour. He's going to be there for a really, really long time and be really, really successful. So uh, I'm super well, excited. Thank you, that, Mark. Uh, Love that, Mark. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm I know. supposed you to know go down to nice. with Mark a couple weeks ago. Well, and this COVID-19, it's uh, – no fun. 
What's weird is Mark, Mark still doesn't invite me to play golf with him down in Seminole. Strange. He tells me about all the people he invites down to Seminole to play, but uh, I never get to be a part of the foursome. But maybe, maybe one time we can make a conditional yeah. where, where we all play. Maybe we'll, we'll make sure your agent, Chris Castleberry, gets to come with us too. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, that'd be great. That'd be great. Okay. That'd be a fun foursome. Right. Well, Gordon, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the Callaway yeah. Golf Podcast. Uh, the Callaway Golf Podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, like, review, do whatever you want to do with it. Uh, in case you missed it, last week we had a great episode where we had Henrik Stenson, Mark Leishman, Danny Willett, um, and Jim Furyk all on together talking uh, sort of their great history, uh, playing the game and some of the product and, and some fun stories, maybe from Augusta, maybe from other places. Uh, and there's so many episodes out there. We've been talking to so many tour players since uh, this quarantine has sort of started. We're going to continue to do that. So we will see you next time on the Callaway Golf Podcast.